Thank you so much. Okay, so we've been talking this last few weeks about life, and we said that to properly understand the Christian faith, you need to understand that it's about life. In fact, if you look at the beginning of your Bible, the book of Genesis, chapter 3, it's all about life, the giving of human life. In fact, the first three chapters deal with the beginning of life here on this planet. Now, I'm not going to get into the, all the, the science of that or the technicalities of that, but suffice it to say that the Bible begins with a story of life. And then by chapter 3 of Genesis, again, the very first book in the Bible, we see death entering in. And I want you to know today that death is not God's idea. It's not what God wanted for us. God wanted life for us. He wanted a great life for us. And what you and I need to know today, especially on this Easter Sunday, is that this is, in fact, what God wants for you. And so we see the beginning of life. We see life interrupted in the form of death. And then we go through the centuries, and we come to the story of Easter, and we see life regained. This, my friends, is what Easter is about. It's about you getting your life back. It's about you having the life that we've been talking about over the past few weeks. Two weeks ago, we said that, that when you become a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, he actually gives you a brand new life. You actually become what the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest preachers and teachers of all time, said. Uh, he said that we have actually been, given, uh, been made into brand new creatures. We're a brand new creation. It's like your old, the old you is dead and you've got a brand new you. This, my friends, is what the Christian life is about. But it doesn't stop there. Not only do you become, do you become a brand new you. Last week we talked about the fact that you have eternal life. This is, again, a gift from Jesus Christ. And we said that you are a masterpiece. And that in eternity, God created special work for you to do. In fact, we said last week that the way that you will experience the fullness and the meaning of life is that you must enter into that purpose or into that meaning that God has created especially for you. I talked to a number of people after the service last week and they, uh, they told me all kinds of things that they were going to start doing because they know that, that God has given them special gifts and special talents and special abilities. And I said, that's right, you're starting to get it. There's something that only you can do. I'm going to say this to you today. That in order for you to find the happiness that your heart longs for, the joy that you long for, you've got to start living life the way God ordained that you live it. So we talked first of all about this new life that's yours when you became a Christian. And then we talked about the eternal life that's yours. That means you get to live with God forever in eternity. This morning I want to talk to you about what Jesus calls the abundant life. The rich and satisfying life. Now, so many of us here today would have to say, or would say, that life is anything but rich and satisfying. In fact, if the truth be known, if we, if we could zero in on your life and just uh, uh, do a rerun of what your life was like this past week... Uh, you would actually be quite embarrassed because you would have, we would see flare-up of anger. We would see uh, problems with the wife, with the, with the, with the husband, with the kids, uh, problems at work. Your life 
is in short really a mess right now. Well, I want you to know something today. The story of Easter, the story of what Jesus Christ did for you and me, is about turning your life around so that once again you can know the joy and the peace and the happiness that's supposed to be ours in Christ. Now, can I just say this? There are many of us who have gone to church for years, and some would claim to be Christians for years, but again, if the truth be known, your life right now is not what it needs to be, and you are experiencing anything but the joy and the happiness that I'm talking about. So this morning, I want to uh, point you to a special little metaphor, allegory that Jesus used to help us understand his relationship to us and what he wants in a relationship with us. And you may or may not know it, but when Jesus was on this earth preaching and teaching, he used lots of stories and he used situations that people could relate to, like the like a lost coin or a pearl of great price, a wayward son. Um, and of course, his favorite metaphor of all was the one of the sheep and the shepherd. He being the shepherd and we being the sheep. The Bible says that Jesus looked at the hordes of people and he he had compassion in his heart because he saw them as harassed sheep. A sheep that were, were truly being beat up by life. Maybe that's you today. You feel so beat up by life. This is not what you imagined life would be. When you were younger, you had great plans and great ideals and great dreams and visions of what life was going to be like. And here you are in the mess you're in now, and you wonder, how on earth did I ever get here? Look what Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10. And again, he's describing his relationship to his sheep. And he says the thief's purpose, if you would read this with me, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So what you need to know today is that what God wants for you is a rich and satisfying life. In the original language in which the Bible was written, in fact, it says he wants it to be, listen listen to this, a super abundant life. That's what it actually says in the Greek. God wants you to have a super abundant life. A rich and satisfying life. This is what Jesus promises to all who would follow him as their shepherd. So I ask you the question today. Who are you following? Or what are you following? Are you, are you in trouble this morning? Is your life a mess? I want you to know that there is... Uh, an enemy of our heart, whether you may know it or not. Jesus called that enemy of our heart a thief, whose purpose is to steal and kill and destroy your family, your marriage, your emotional, your mental state. He'll do everything he can to make life miserable for you. And some of you are sitting here today saying, yeah, that about sums up my life. So let's just talk for a moment about what in fact robs us of this rich and satisfying life? How does this thief, how does this enemy of our heart rob us? How does he hurt us? Well, let me begin by saying this. There's not a person here who does not experience stress and difficulty. It's what it means to be human, in fact. Some of you here today are sitting here with a with a boatload of stress. 
In fact, you're having a hard time even concentrating on what's happening here Sunday morning because you are so stressed out. Well, I want you to know something today. I think I've got some solutions for you. I think I've got some help for you. God wants to touch you where you're at. But here's, here's what, we, what we do too often and so often. Is that in the midst of our difficulty and our stress, we tend to take life into our own hands. And what we want to do in the midst of the, the trials and the struggles and the suffering and the pain and the heartache, in the midst of, of, the, of all the headaches and the harassment that we go through, And remember, Jesus knew that this is what we were facing. In the midst of all of this, we try to suspend reality. We try to escape our life as it is. And this is where the trouble begins with all of us. I'm not talking about one or two of you here today. I'm talking about every human being here today. We get ourselves into trouble when we begin to escape the life that we've got, we take matters into our own hands and we try to solve the problem on our own. Is that you today? Well, Pastor, I I think maybe, but I'm not sure. Can you maybe enlighten me a bit? Well, sure I can. Some of us become workaholics just because it's easier to stay at work and, and work than it is to come home and face the children and face the spouse and face... The, the books, the finances. It's just easier just to stay immersed in our, in our crazy world. Some of us turn to substance abuse. You know what I'm talking about. I don't need to get into that. Some of us turn, into, turn to our hobbies. Anything to entertain ourselves. Anything to amuse ourselves. You, I, I've said this before. You know the word amuse? Very simply, it means to not think. Ah, meaning not, and muse, meaning think. Isn't that just describe life in 2013? How many of us suspend reality and go into uh, the world of the video game or go to, uh, go to our television and start watching the, the, the horrors of other people's lives? Has anybody ever heard of TLC, the, the Learning Channel? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And we can watch on the Learning Channel all about hoarders. And we can sit there and be, uh, uh, maybe amused is not the right word, but certainly interested and think to to ourselves, man, his life is way worse than mine. I think I'm going to watch this for a little while. Or maybe if that's not good enough, you'll watch uh, the Sister Wives. Has anybody heard of that? That's a man who's got five wives. And tells a story of how he copes with that, or more... Maybe how they cope with him, as if one wife was not enough to deal with. And in the, in the first service, I apologize to Gloria for saying that because she's wonderful. But listen to this we try to escape. And if that's not enough, we watch Honey Boo Boo and gain all kinds of inspiration from her family life. Even President Obama was very grateful for the endorsement that Honey Boo Boo gave him. That's right. When asked who she would vote for, she, vote for, she said, of course, President Obama. I want to ask you the question today. What are you doing to avoid dealing with your life as it is? Taking up a hobby lately? There's a television show I was watching yesterday for a brief, a brief while. It was intriguing. 
It was uh, all about people who've got their, their massive mansions. And uh, we're, we're talking about lives that are wrapped up in a house. And that's the sum total of their life. And the, the owner of the house goes through the different aspects of the house and shows you the, the special bathroom and the ensuite and the windows and the automatic light, uh, shades for the windows and on and on and on and on. And they're talking about, about their house as though it were something truly significant and truly important. And it's interesting and fun to watch, but at the end of the day, you've got to sit back and say, does it really matter? Does it really matter? Of course, the answer to that is no, it doesn't matter. So here we are, we're amusing ourselves, we're trying to fill, fill the holes in our hearts, trying to suspend reality, trying to escape our life. And next thing you know, we've got ourselves in real trouble, our marriage is in, in trouble, our family's in trouble, our kids won't talk to us, our kids are rebellious. We've got major financial problems, we've got problems at work, and we've, we're, we've got this meaningless and lonely existence, and we just finally say, God, I can't stand it anymore, can you help? Listen to this. I googled life is numb, those three words, and you can do that yourself. Not now, please, but later. Life is numb. Just Google that. And uh, this is what popped up in Yahoo Answers. This person is looking for answers. And here's, here's what he says. He says, this is hard for me to openly admit to anyone. I am 20 years old in the U.S. Army. I have no girlfriend. I live every day in a burden. I feel I cannot conquer bad habits that I have taken up. I live every day numb and lifeless. I always feel alone and unfulfilled. Nothing is ever enough to fill the hole in my heart. I have tried shopping for pointless things, uh, praying, smoking, drinking, etc. Whatever I, I fill my heart with, the happiness is only temporary. But it is never enough. I need help but don't know where to find it. I always see those people who enjoy life every day and never complain. I want to be one of those people. How do I do it? Now, i got to tell you, as a pastor who reads something like that, right away I'm thinking, it's Jesus. Jesus is the answer. He's the one that can help you. He's the one that can bring meaning to your meaningless life. But then there's a P.S. here. It says, oh, P.S., don't say Jesus, because <laughs> I'm an ex-Christian. Jesus didn't work either. And then you read down the thread, and somebody else adds, Yeah, I'd like to friggin' know too. Everyone keeps saying, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus isn't working. I want to tell you today, you and I try to fix our problems we run to the doctor, we get pills, we go for counseling, we try self-help books, we uh, watch the latest of Oprah, because Oprah, everybody knows, has got the answers to everything. <laughs> we change our marriage partners, we change our jobs, we change churches, we change friends. We desperately try to find a solution to the problems that, we've, that, we, that we find ourselves in. We are being harassed and we try to find a way out. We even try Jesus. We even try church. And I can tell you that all these things, in the end, will not work. Or they work temporarily. Not even Jesus will work. Unless, unless you do it his way. Now, I'm going to share with you 
the things that get in the way between you and your walk with God and you and your relationships, the relationships in your life. Because some people think that all they have to do is just, you know, go to church, say their prayers, read their Bible, and everything's going to be good. But i got you, I got to make you understand or recognize something today. And you've heard me say this before. Life is about relationships. It's about your relationship with God, and it's about your relationship with one another. And some people think that as long as they get this relationship with God right, as long as they, you know, get their hearts to Jesus, as long as they pray and go to church, that's all they need to do. As though the only one in the world they needed to love was God. They love God, but I hate everybody else. A lot of people live that way. But what you need to understand is God's requirement for all of us is that we not only love him, but that we prove, get this, that we prove our love for him by loving each other. And this is something very difficult for us to get our, get our, our minds around. And the reason we have a hard time getting our minds around is because we've been hurt so badly. We've been through, through we've been to hell and back. And some of, some of us would say, I'm still in hell. I'm still in deep trouble. Well, I've got good news for you. You don't have to stay in hell. You can be free. But here's what you need to understand. There are toxic emotions right now that are standing between you and God and you and the happiness, the peace, the joy that God promises. Because some of you are saying, man, I'm with that guy. I tried Jesus and it didn't work. Well, listen, you didn't really try Jesus the way Jesus wants you to try Jesus. You did it according to your own understanding. You did it in your own way. I'll talk about more of that in just a moment. But let's talk for a moment about these toxic emotions that actually destroy your relationships. First of all, is fear. Now, I'm going to mention, just briefly, mention each of these toxic emotions. You don't have to memorize them. There's not going to be a test at the end of the service. In fact, um, I don't want to get deeply into them. I just want to touch on it. Maybe I'll do a sermon series in the future on these toxic emotions. But I can say this. As I mention these emotions, it's going to resonate with some of you. In fact, they may all resonate with all of you. Fear. Fear of the future based on what happened in your past. Some people are self-sabotaging. They sabotage their lives because they're afraid of what's to come. And it becomes a way of life. Someone let you down, somebody failed you, and so now, therefore, you're not going to trust them. So, consequently, you live your whole life like that, afraid. Don't trust your husband, don't trust your wife, don't trust your kids, don't trust your parents, don't trust your friends, don't trust the the pastor. I'm not going to trust anybody, and you're full of fear. This is a toxic emotion that's destroying your life. And so many of us, again, we, what do we do? We, we self-medicate. We try to deal with this fear in our hearts. Alcohol, substance abuse, hobbies, TV, video games, whatever. Some of us today are dealing with extreme jealousy. You're, you're jealous of your family members, jealous maybe of your spouse, jealous of your neighbors. 
Has anybody ever heard of Cain and Abel? It's the story of the very first murder in the Bible. And here's why Cain murdered his brother. It's because Cain looked at Abel, who was enjoying the blessing of God in his life because Abel was actually living the life that God called him to live. And so what does Cain do? He's jealous and he kills his brother. He hates his brother because his brother's got something that he doesn't have. A toxic emotion that destroys his life. Some of you here today would say, yeah, that's me. My life is really, really messed up because I hate someone right now for having what I don't have. Some of you are experiencing extreme guilt and shame. You wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and you hate what's looking back at you. I was talking to somebody who said that they don't even look at themselves in the mirror. They've just taken all the mirrors out of their house because they can't stand to look at themselves because they loathe themselves because of the guilt and the shame that they have in their hearts. Pastor, can you help me? Well, yes, I can actually. I'm going to tell you about that in just a moment. You feel worthless? Because of your past failings, because of your past sins, because of things that you've done. And if anybody ever heard about it, you would just be mortified. And it eats away at you. You're angry. There's another emotion. You're bitter, full of resentment. If I can mention, if I mention right now, who hurt you? Who has hurt you the worst in your life? That person comes to your mind, and now you could talk about it for half an hour or an hour. Have you, do you know people like that? You say, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. And then the minute the subject comes around to how they've been hurt, well, they go on and on for an hour or two just talking about how they've been hurt. Angry, bitter. And while the other person who did the hurting and did, did the damage, they're going on with their life. They don't know anything about that other person and their problems. But you are suffering. Toxic emotion. Maybe you've got regrets. You failed yourself, you failed God, you failed your spouse, you failed your kids. You feel life should be different. It should be so, so different. Recently, we, we saw the movie Les Mis. And in that story, in that, in, the, in, that, in that story by Victor Hugo, there's a character whose life is not which she expected it to be. Played by Anne Hathaway, who actually won an Oscar award for her portrayal of that character. It's a very short, short part that she has in in the movie. Now, some would say it's because of her superior acting skills and abilities, and I would say, yes, she's she's a pretty good actor. But I think the real thing that resonated with people who watched that was the actual storyline. And the fact that here is somebody whose life has been ruined because of bad choices. And you see her in that movie crying, tears streaming down her cheeks, her hair being cut off. And she's singing the song, this is not what I had hoped for. This is not the way it was supposed to be. Life is supposed to be so different, and here I am. And this is what it's come to. And you know the story. She has to sell her body. At least that's what she thinks. To make ends meet. 
This is not the way it was supposed to be. And for her, there is no happy ending, at least not for her personally. Life is full of regret. There's one last toxic emotion. It's that of selfishness. I've got to tell you this. Every one of us struggles with this one. We really struggle with it. Selfishness is basically this idea that life is all about me. And life and the world has to revolve around me. Do you know that the simple definition for mental illness is life is all about me? All the world, all of life revolves around me. And the same can be said for the alcoholic, the drug addict. The one who is caught up in trying to suspend reality and trying to escape life. You become very self-centered and you're trying desperately to survive. And my friends, listen to me today. This is something that we all, all of us, have experienced or are experiencing. And Jesus says to us today, come follow me. I'm going to show you a new way. Life's about relationships. And the only way, my friends, that you and I are going to know the joy and the peace and the rich and satisfying life that God has for us is that if you and I learn to start living life the way Jesus prescribes for us to live. You see, some people think Christianity is all about a set of rules and regulations. Do this, do that. Don't do this, don't do that. This is not what Christianity is about. Listen to me. It's all about following a good shepherd. It's all about you and me recognizing that we need help. This is what this church is about. This church is a collection of people, call us sheep if you will, We're a collection of people who understand that we need a good shepherd to lead us in this life. Because we can't do it on our own. Do you recognize that today about yourself? Do you recognize how much you need a good shepherd to help you through the struggles of this life? I can tell you, as a pastor of this church, as one who's been a follower of Christ for almost four decades, more than four decades, I can tell you that I need a good shepherd today as much as I did when I first started to follow Jesus. I need a good shepherd now who will lead me day by day, moment by moment. And my friends, listen to me. This is really what Christianity is about. It's about learning to follow a good shepherd who dearly loves you. A shepherd who wants to protect you from this thief whose purpose it is to steal and kill and destroy your life, your marriage, your family, your job, your finances. I'm not talking in terms you don't understand. You all know exactly what I'm talking about. This is the shepherd, the good shepherd. His name is Jesus. And he outlines for us, in this book we call the Bible, he outlines for us, the way to live. 
Now, I'm going to say this to you today. Some of you have got toxic emotions that stand between you and God and you and the people in your life. And I'm going to tell you this. If you want to have this rich and satisfying life that Jesus talks about, then you're going to have to deal with your inner world. Because here's what we do. We always deal with our problems by trying to change the exterior world, and it never works. You can... You can you can turn to uh, your hobbies, you can turn to your obsessions, your addictions, you can turn to all these things, but it never solves the problem of what's going on inside. You know what I'm talking about. You know it's true. You've experienced it. So what do you need to do? How do we resolve these toxic emotions that are killing us, that are eating us up inside? How do we get the joy back to our lives? Well, first of all, I'm going to say this. It's by not trying to escape your reality, but dealing with it. And here's how you deal with your reality. First and foremost, you need to ask God for forgiveness. And I'm going to tell you this. Those of you who see God as some kind of a nasty, mean old God, ready to slug us, beat us, that you've got the wrong idea of who God is. God describes himself as a loving shepherd who wants to give us a rich and satisfying life. You need to ask for his forgiveness for your own failings, your own weaknesses, your own sin. And once you get that right relationship with God sorted out, then we go on to the next thing, and that is what I call our horizontal relationships. You can have the vertical relationship right, but you also need to have the horizontal relationships right. That means you've got to make sure that your relationship with the people in your life is what it needs to be. That means that there's going to be some forgiving that you have to do. And there's some people you're going to have to ask for their forgiveness. My friends, this is how you resolve this talk, these toxic emotions in your life. This is how you get your relationship with God right and how you get your relationship with one another right. Listen, when you get your relationships with right, folks, this is when the light begins to break through and you begin to know joy once again in your life. This is what this church is about. We're all about showing you how to get this right. And that's why starting next week, we begin a brand new series on how to have a great family life, how to have a great marriage, how to have a great relationship with your husband, and how to be a great husband, how to be, have a, be a great wife, and how to be a great parent, how to have a great family, putting the fun back in functional. You may have seen the poster when you walked in. That's what's coming up in the weeks ahead. And I'm telling you this because you and I need to understand that God has given us directions on how to live this life and how to get it right. So let me say this. When we speak about a rich and satisfying life, we're talking about a life that's free of toxic emotions. That's what we're talking about. Because the moment that your life is free of that that toxicity, that's the moment you begin to really live. That's the day, that's the moment you begin to enjoy a rich and satisfying life. I'm going to tell you this, my friends. Nothing out there is ever going to solve the problem of what's in here. You can get your lottery ticket and you can win your millions But there's shows on the TLC and the Learning Channel that show you all the people who have won their millions and whose lives have been destroyed because of it. Listen to me. 
What's going on out there will never solve the problem of what's going on in here. Here's what Jesus says in the in the next in his next sentence. He says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. What does that mean? Well, Jesus' listeners would have understood that. In Jesus' day, there would be what you call a sheepfold, sheep pen, if you will. And at night, all the sheep would be gathered into a safe place. And you can actually read this in John chapter 10. And then Jesus says, I, as the good shepherd, I, as the one who loves the sheep, will lie down across the entrance to that fold and nothing will get to my sheep. You'll have to go through me first. Fantastic picture. Jesus literally is calling himself the gateway into the sheepfold. Nobody can get to the sheep except through Jesus. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart today. Because when you surrender your life to Christ and when you say, Jesus Christ, come into my life, I want to follow you with all my heart. What you're really saying is, Jesus, I want to come under your protection. I want to get my life back. I want to know what it is to truly live. But there's even a bit more than that. The fact of the matter is, is that each of us has sinned and fallen short and messed up in so many ways. And for me to stand here and just say, oh, well, don't worry about it. God's forgiven it and that's, that's it. That would not be telling you the full truth. The full truth of the matter is, is that somebody had to pay the price for that sin. There had to be justice. If there's no justice in this universe, then life just is not worth living. But there is. There's justice. There's eternal justice. And God says somebody's got to pay the price. Now here's how much God loves us. God loves us so much that he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for your sin and mine. He died on that cross in your place and in mine. Jesus died for you and for me. He wasn't forced to do it. He chose to do it because of his great love for you and me. My friends, listen to me. This is what it means when Jesus says the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. It's because of what he did at the cross that you can be set free today. Your sins can be forgiven today. It can be taken away today. All you need to do is say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for taking away my sin. Let's pray together. God, I just want to say thank you today that this Christian life, it's not just a philosophical idea or collection of ideas. It's about a new way of living altogether. It's about a life where You, as our shepherd, lead us. Not just on Sundays, but day by day and actually minute by minute. God, help us to understand today that this rich and satisfying life that you've promised us is only possible when we follow you, who who love us. 
It's only, it only happens when we allow you, our good shepherd, to lead us in the way we should go. So, Spirit of God, do a work in us today. And help us, we pray, to live in this rich and satisfying life that Jesus promises. We thank you, God, that you do care about us. We thank you, God, that you do love us. We thank you for the promise in the scripture that says that there is no condemnation, no judgment for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so, God, right now we want to just surrender our lives to the Good Shepherd and ask the Good Shepherd to lead us because we need you, Lord. And we pray that for Christ's sake. Amen.